Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 192, Hope, Don't Stop Believing. It's January 22nd, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, podcaster, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. There is no music for my podcast intros or outros any longer, as I am working to be inclusionary for people who have hearing loss or are hard of hearing. I invite you to join the movement and get other podcasters and social media types to ditch music when combined with voice. That would be helpful to people who have hearing loss or who are hard of hearing. End of non-musical intro. Hope. Don't stop believing. Well, this gives a nod to Journey's classic rock song, Don't Stop Believing. Although, Journey's song, Don't Stop Believing, doesn't have a G on the end of believing. It's believing. I just couldn't help it. This is how the podcast title came to me. That's how it came in. So that's the title we we are left with. Before I dive in to break this apart, I do want you to visit my website and enter my giveaway, if you'd be so kind. I'm I'm targeting March to have the winners picked by the plug-in, and then the winners notified and the prizes shipped. As my disclaimer, as mentioned in my podcast intro, nothing I say in this podcast or any of my other content in any form is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. I do have transcripts for my podcasts on my hosting platform, rss.com. They are quite a mess. I am working on it. I will get that fixed as soon as possible. If you are suicidal, my ask is that you call 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. That number again is 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. There's a lot of help available if you're feeling hopeless or suicidal or that life is too hard for you to go on. Please take the help that's available. Hope, don't stop believing. Well, first of all, I love that Journey song. I, I can't help it. I do love that song. It wasn't, it, you know, anyway. All right, so what is hope? Well, according to the research, hope is a strong desire that is actively pursued when, even when it is uncertain that the desire will be fulfilled. That's from Martin in 2011. Now, Rick Snyder in 2000, 2022, 2002 wrote that hope is a cognitive goal-oriented pattern of thought in which people come up with different pathways to achieve their goals remain motivated to follow these pathways and actively look for alternative pathways to these goals when necessary Hopeful people then, according to Snyder, are those who are persistent and creative in pursuing their goals. As I start this podcast on hope, I do understand that some of you listening to this podcast right now might be low in hope or hope might be absent. You might be feeling hopeless, deeply sad, 
And if that's the case, first of all, that breaks my heart. I, secondly, I do understand that for some people, life is too hard and, that, and they feel hopeless. Now, if you are feeling hopeless or you are very low in the hope area, this is a very serious concern. My request is that you interrupt this problem because it is a problem if you have little to no hope. It can lead you to suicidal thoughts. It can be very, very problematic in many areas. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, we do have a suicide helpline. You can call or text 988. It is something that needs to be absolutely interrupted pronto. I say this understanding that many of life's challenges make life problematic. I do understand this. I hope that if you're feeling low in hope or hopeless, first of all, if you're hopeless, got to get in action. That, that just has to be addressed. And I do have lots of suggestions if life is very difficult for you. Before I get into suggestions, I'd like to take a little quick dive into the research on hope, which I think you'll find fascinating. Hope is one of those topics that has been discussed and written about since the beginning of mankind, which you can find in the writings of ancient philosophers, in religious writings and teachings like the Bible, both with positive and negative connotations. So it is important to understand how can be, hope can be positive, but it can have a downside. From what I looked at in the research, I will say though, it seems one of the things I read is that the research on hope is fragmented and inconsistent. So that's common in many other topics in psychology, and it's also common in other areas of medicine and in life. From the global epidemiology volume 2 november 2020 this article is titled the role of hope in subsequent health and well-being for older adults an outcome wide longitudinal approach this was a long-term study this is a very good study and here's the outcome takeaways of the study this is from k long et al Uh, a greater sense of hope so if you can move towards hope or you have a greater sense of hope then the benefits associated with that are one better physical health and health behavior outcomes specifically from the research a greater sense of hope reduced the risk of all-cause mortality provided fewer number of chronic conditions lower risk of cancer and fewer sleep problems it also provided higher physiological well-being namely it provided this is again having a higher sense of hope increased positive affect increased life satisfaction and increased purpose in life number three it was associated with lower psychological distress in life and four it was associated with better social well-being So that's from a longitudinal study. Now, hope and the subjective well-being, according to the research from Bailey et al. in 2007, that hope and subjective well-being are closely connected or interconnected. Interestingly enough, hope has been researched not only in psychology, but also in sociology, economics, philosophy, and political science. From the research, hope is related 
to positive outcomes, according to the research. And people who scored higher in HOPE typically had higher GPAs and did better academically. The high HOPE students, according to the research, were also more likely to have graduated and less likely to have been dismissed from school due to bad grades. So also from the research, hope can help you, hope can help you be more creative. I am distinguishing hope from optimism though. In the research, hope and optimism are frequently or sometimes combined in the research where they're looking at both. Yet optimism is distinctly different from hope. And I do have a podcast about the power of optimism, by the way, which is not positive thinking. Optimism and positive thinking are different. I'm not dissing positive thinking. I'm saying optimism is more powerful. Now, there's a gentleman by the name of Charles Snyder, and he proposed the theory of hope as a three-pronged approach, which is one, goals, two, pathways, and three, agency. Goals were thinking in a goal-oriented way. Pathways meant finding different ways to achieve your goals. And agency meant believing you can instigate change. Other researchers subsequent to Charles Snyder's theory proposed a fourth element, which is social support or social connections. So depending on where you're at, there's either three or four pieces. I certainly think adding social connections and social support would be extremely valuable for hope, in my humble opinion. But there you have the research. So if I distill down for you some of the top benefits of hope, which some of which I've already touched on, here's your top list of benefits. Now there are other benefits, but this is the the condensed version. One, it boosts the immune system. Two, it decreases pain. Three, it's linked to lower levels of anxiety and depression, which could be also protective against anxiety and depression. So it's linked to lower levels levels of anxiety and depression, and it could be protective for anxiety and depression. Four, boosts confidence and self-esteem. Five, creates new opportunities in life. Six, can boost creativity. Seven, usually experience less psychological distress. Eight, greater physical health and health behavior outcomes. Nine, increased life satisfaction and a positive effect. Ten, increased or improved emotional health. In other words, it feels better. Of course it feels better. Eleven, it's important for happiness. Twelve, it can help you survive life. Thirteen, helps you stay motivated and in the game versus shutting down. 14, you will have a different life by setting goals and taking actions. And 15, it has advantages in academics if you have a high hope student. In the research, they did talk about false hope or false reality, which I am going to address lightly here. This for me is a very dicey area because it depends on your point of view, circumstances, and lots of different elements. It's not a black or white area. And unfortunately, we have people who have the cognitive distortion of all or nothing or black or white thinking, as well as many other cognitive distortions, who will say it's either this or it's that. So 
is it false hope or false reality? Well, I'm gonna give you the answer. Well, that depends. So to determine if you're operating in a false hope or false reality situation, look at all the areas. Personally, I have been told on more than one occasion to my face that I have false hope or that I'm delusional, that what I was working on would never come to pass. It would never happen under any circumstances whatsoever. I have been told to my face that I'm crazy, ridiculous, delusional, and worse to my face. Now, in those situations, was I ultimately successful? Yes, I actually was. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or be arrogant or brag. But there were situations where people thought their opinion, their view was I was operating from either a false hope or a false reality. I could actually list four different situations that people would have said that's a false hope, she's in a false reality, even though I was successful in all four areas. So um, I, I'm aware of the fact that right, right now, <laughs> In 2024, some people who are listening to my podcast think I'm delusional, crazy, or living in a false hope, false reality to think that I can impact people's happiness in the world or that I could change the world. I am very clearly aware that some people think that's a false hope or a false reality. I have to say, though, you know, in, as of 2019, worldwide, we don't even have a, a worldwide consensus definition on what constitutes good mental health. There are eight conflicting definitions of good mental health, according to the research. So clearly, that's an objection. That's a problem. That's an obstacle. I am not unaware that this is a big challenge and it might never come to pass. I'm aware of that, people. I'm very well aware of that. I, however, espouse to the Margaret Mead philosophy. Here's one of my favorite quotes from Margaret Mead. Quote, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has, end quote. Now, I'm in action, taking appropriate actions towards helping the world be a better place. I'm in action consistently fulfilling on my hope that people will become happier and healthier, be well loved, that the world will become a better place. And it already is in my opinion. Now, if I had listened to other people throughout my lifetime, there is one person who would not be alive today there are two organizations that would not exist today had I listened to the naysayers telling me that it was false hope or false reality. So that's why I say this is dicey. Now, let's say you know someone who wants to be a famous sports newscaster, for example, and they are not setting goals and they are not taking action towards their idea of being a famous news sportscast, sports newscaster. So that would be an example of a false hope or a false reality because they're not setting goals and taking actions. Is it possible without any goals or any action they could become 
a famous sports newscaster? Well, it's possible. Anything's possible. Is it likely? It's extremely unlikely. It's extremely unlikely without clear goals backed by consistent and appropriate action. Is anything possible? Well, that depends on your point of view. It also depends on a lot of factors. I happen to believe that with God, all things are possible, which presupposes that God supports the mission, the vision, or the outcome. Because of I'm in the 70 plus percent of people in the world that have some you know, spiritual or religious views. Look at the totality of the situation that you're in. If you can dream it, if you can see it in your mind, if you can feel the feelings of it happening using visualization and anticipation and you set goals and you take actions on those goals, you have a good shot. That is not to say, by the way, that I have never been in a position of having false hope or being in a false reality. I have been in false hope and false reality on more than one occasion. Not by choice, people. But sometimes you don't know the whole truth, and that gives you a false reality if you don't know the whole truth. But at any rate, as you're looking at hope, it's very helpful and prudent to look at all aspects because we do want you living in reality and we do not want you having false hope so what are the aspects that might diminish hope dampen it or remove it altogether well there are many things in life that can diminish dampen or remove hope altogether and this is a short list so number one negative thinking People who tend to think negatively can talk themselves out of the new job, the promotion, buying the house, changing houses, moving, asking a guy out, asking a girl out, dating, getting married, having kids. Like the negative thinking people can talk themselves out of anything quite easily. It might be a form of self-sabotage, but negative thinking diminishes and dampens hope and it can remove it altogether too low self-esteem individuals with low self-esteem typically are negative thinkers not always but pretty much a lot of them are and people with low self-esteem that's a lens you look at life through which would be you're not good enough you're not deserving and that would diminish or dampen hope three irrational thinking that will definitely diminish or remove hope or dampen it for listening to other people's opinions well you can listen to other people's opinions I mean I I listen to other people's opinions I just don't take them for gospel I listen to them and go mm, okay like when people told me when I was trying to save the life of another person I mean like people were were just in an uproar and people told me to my face you're wasting your time you're wasting your money it's a done deal they're not gonna make it and I heard them Oh, yes, I heard them. I was well aware of the dynamics of the situation because I had enough physicians tell me that this particular individual wasn't going to make it. I was not delusional that it was a bad situation. I was highly in tune to the fact that it was, you know, probably it might not be possible, but why not try? And thank goodness I did. Like, thank goodness I did. So I'm not saying never listen to other people's opinions, but you've got to be able to temper that. Five, be willing to do whatever it takes to have it, to do it, to be it, whatever it is. The unwillingness 
to do whatever it takes is what will remove hope altogether or dampen it or diminish it. Six, lacking the belief or conviction or even confidence that you can do it, that you can have it, that you can be it, whatever it is. Eight, allowing setbacks to stop you. That will diminish or remove hope or dampen it. Eight, ego, pride, shame, embarrassment, along with fears, worry, and concerns are some of the top areas that will dampen, diminish, or remove hope. That's, what did I just say? Eight areas. Now, the ninth area, this is a whole little topic I'm going to address, is when you are up against it. That can deeply remove hope, diminish it, dampen it, kill it off. And when I say when you are up against it, that's probably another made-up term of mine. I'll have to check that out with my therapist friend. But I think, I think it might be a made-up term. That means you're dealing with a life challenge, which could be a death. It could be an illness. It could be a divorce, infidelity, financial problems, domestic abuse, marital problems, relationship problems, addictions, problems at work. The list goes on and on and on. When you are dealing with certain life challenges, sometimes you struggle. It's reasonable sometimes to struggle in life. You could have a special needs child or special needs adult. You could be a caregiver. There are so many life challenges that are deeply painful and extremely hard. They're extremely hard. So it would be reasonable if you have certain life challenges that you might feel hopeless or you might have little hope or the hope might be extremely low. I am now going to give suggestions if you're up against it. So if you are struggling, this next piece is for you specifically. And then I will get into overall general suggestions for building the muscles of hope, assuming that you are not up against it. So number one, when you are struggling or when you are up against it, you have to deal with your emotions. Having difficult emotions, all the situations I listed that are life challenges are deeply painful and very problematic, which comes with the difficult emotions. We in society are pretty bad, pretty poor at dealing with the difficult emotions, grief, loss, sadness, anger, resentment, betrayal, the list goes on. I have a free emotional processing workbook on my website. I'm currently at version 6.0. Now we have a nice cover and table of contents. This is the process you go through in your mind. I'm talking about what happens in your mind. And there are a myriad of different areas that should be factored in to managing and processing your emotions. Now, we've been trying to figure out why is this not anywhere on the web? What you can find on the internet, last I checked, I keep checking, hoping it's going to be something different, is you find things that say, punch a pillow, draw a picture, rip up a paper, uh, cry, call a friend, be grateful, make a gratitude list. Those are the suggestions typically. The most common suggestions if you Google steps to manage and process your emotions, which is fine. I'm not belittling that. I'm not dismissing that. I'm not even demeaning it. What I'm saying is those are physical things outside of your body that have nothing to do with managing and processing your emotions, which is what I talk about in my workbook. 
if you start using my workbook, which is free, you don't have to register for it, it's right below the Newsweek logo on the right-hand side of the website. If you're on a mobile app, scroll to the bottom, you'll see the Newsweek logo. It's below that. It's a little icon you click on, and up pops the document that you can download and print out. Now, if the workbook sounds like gibberish to you, if it if your, your mind goes blank and you think, I can't deal with this, I can't do this, that means you've reached an edge of your mind. That means that this is brand new stuff for you. If you keep at it, read a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, like if you keep at it, your mind will expand and then it will start to make sense to you. When things sound like gibberish or it's beyond your scope or beyond your boundaries or beyond your limitations, it may sound like gibberish or or you may completely shut down or you may immediately feel tired. What I'm saying is what's in the workbook is scientifically agreed upon. I don't include fringe science. I do not include stuff that's far out there or pop psychology. This is all research-based and reasonable, it's rational, it's logical. So use the workbook if you're up against it because what will help you immensely is having skills and abilities in dealing with the difficult emotions that you're experiencing. I promise you, you can learn it. I promise you it's doable. I don't suggest anything that's not doable. I, I might, I'm thinking about adding a, a frequently asked questions to it though now because some people really don't understand, well, why do I need to know about projection when I'm managing and processing my emotions? Because if you don't understand what projection is, which is someone else putting their feelings or their behaviors onto you, that would impact how you manage and process your emotions. So everything that I have in there is to help you to have a pristine and thorough processing of your emotions and so do that number two if you're up against it which will be difficult for many of you but ask for help and ask for support you might be surprised at who would help you you might be surprised at who won't help you that might be when you figure out who's drilling holes in your boat and who really wants you to fail but there are very beautiful people in the world some of whom you might not know right now who would who would love to help you hopefully they don't have the the uh, savior complex which i talk about in a upcoming podcast but ask for help and support i know i have done that throughout my entire lifetime and and sometimes i will tell you i've had to ask different people and keep asking until i got the help that i needed or the support that i needed so be open to asking for and receiving help and support if you're up against it number three this is a very big one if you're struggling if you're up against it if you have little hope no hope is to schedule or set up temporary events meetings coffees meals road trips anything that gives you something to look forward to this is exceptionally powerful even though it does not change or fix the situation that you're in i'm well aware if you're in domestic abuse scheduling a road trip doesn't change the fact that you're in domestic abuse i've been there i know about that or if you have someone who's ill or you have any other life challenge this is not going to fix or change that 
but what it will do is give you some temporary relief. It falls under uh, what my next suggestion is counterbalancing the negative. Let me come back to that. When I was in a very difficult position years ago, that meant I had three concurrent traumas happening at the same time, three major over-the-top life challenges. I planned two reunions for two different groups. I planned meals, coffees, outings, road trips. I planned whatever I could out in the future, which gave me something to look forward to. So I am telling you with experience and confidence, this can be very helpful, even though it doesn't fix or change the problem. Number four, counterbalance the negative. I have an entire podcast titled Counterbalancing the Negative, which you can do in any life challenge when you are up against it. It will take some thinking, it will take intentional actions, but the idea is if you have a scale, like the justice scale where there's two sides and you can put marbles on one side or marbles in the other, if you have a hard life challenge, which could be a terminal illness, it could be, you know, you've lost your job, it could be so many different things, adding more positive things to your life will help you. I promise you it will help you. It doesn't change or fix the problem necessarily. It could help change or fix the problem. If you're in domestic abuse, it's extremely unlikely it will touch the problem, but you will feel better. You will start to do better. So counterbalance the negative if you're up against it, if you're struggling. Number five, self-care, self-compassion, pronto, pronto, pronto. I understand when you're up against it, self-care may not even make your list. I understand that many people or the majority of the population does not have compassion for themselves. I'm deeply aware of what's going on. It makes me very sad, it's heartbreaking. At the same time, when you're struggling, when you're up against it, boosting your self-care and beginning to become compassionate with yourself will help you feel better and help you in every area of life. And I do have a podcast on self-care and self-compassion. Six, wherever you can, bring love and affection into your life. Romantic love, platonic love, either one, both makes no difference to me. The more you can bring love and affection into your life of any kind, that will help you when you're struggling. That will help you when you're up against it. And my last suggestion, I could go on and on because I have podcasts about if you're struggling or when life is hard, those podcasts will help you, is not to give up. I am intimately, deeply familiar with how hard life can be. I, If you've listened to enough of my podcasts, you've got the surface view. There are things that have been horrific in my life that I will never talk about in a podcast format or publicly in any speech, in any talk I give. Nope. There are places we will not go because they are absolutely horrific. So I am aware of how painful and difficult life can be. Those are my top seven suggestions if you're up against it in this podcast on hope. Other podcasts will help you. So my next last piece for this podcast is a general list of suggestions for growing hope for everyone. So this does apply if you're up against it or really struggling, but this is kind of the general list. The list I just gave you are kind of special 
if you're really struggling, if you're up against it, those suggestions for the most part are, for the most part, are not included in this list. So we could combine the two if you're, if you're struggling. So my first suggestion <laughs> is the power of your mind. Now, this is a podcast I recently did. It's titled The Power of Your Mind. So according to the research that I looked at under HOPE, the research is stating that cognition precedes emotion. So what they're saying is thought precedes emotion, which makes 100% sense to me. I haven't fully vetted that concept. I don't know if there's dissenting views. I'm not sure where the research stands on the topic of cognition preceding emotion. However, based on all of my experience and my emotional intelligence and my emotional skills, I would tend to believe that. So understanding the power of your mind then becomes very significant. So I would start straight away with the podcast of the power of your mind. And I think, well, I think you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> I think you, some of you might be surprised. I don't know where you'll be, but it's, it, it's, I love that podcast because here's the thing. The majority of the population doesn't understand the power of their mind. And because they don't understand the power of their mind, they're not fully using their mind to the maximum. I am a diehard fan of use your mind to the maximum. If you don't understand how powerful your mind is, you would never even remotely be using the power of your mind. So that's number one. Number two is learn to control your mind. Guess what? Since the beginning of humanity, Ancient philosophers, writers, mystics, you know, scholars have been writing about the process of learning to control your mind. This is age old. It's timeless. It's a, maybe a new idea for you. I do have a podcast titled Learning to Control Your Mind, which will give you some basics. There's many ways to learn to control your mind, one of which, by the way, is being what will help you is being mindful or being present, which I have a podcast on. But number two is learn to control your mind. Number three, learn emotional skills and abilities. I specifically am requesting that you use my emotional processing workbook that's free because I've seen nothing ever in the research on the internet so far in the last year and a half that talks about what you do in your mind which is what I talk about. And if you take issue with what I've got in the workbook, oh, bring it on, baby. <laughs> bring it on and let me know. Because what I've written in the workbook is research-based, therapy-approved. It's like the stuff we can agree on. With, with how I do it, which is a deconstruction of my process, and I'm really good at emotional processing. Little did I know until 2022. So learn emotional processing skills. That will help you build hope. Because what do we learn in the first suggestion of, of the power of your mind? is cognition. Your thoughts precede emotions. Where do people get trapped? They get trapped in their emotions. So learn emotional processing skills. Number four, what are you hoping for? What is your hope? Get clear on that. Then set goals and begin taking action towards your goals. I understand in certain situations you might not feel like there's anything you can do. If you're a parent of a special needs child or adult child, that's a heavy burden. That is painful and it's a lifelong commitment where you don't get relief. 
I understand that. But if you go back to my podcast, I have a podcast titled When You Have Control Issues. I'm not saying you have control issues, but that podcast lays out, oh, 15 or 16 areas of your life you actually can control. So if you have a life hardship that's causing you to feel low in hope or, you know, not high, not very hopeful, there are many, many areas of your life that you actually can impact, which is also true, by the way, if you're in domestic abuse. You might be in domestic abuse coupled with economic abuse, which would be highly likely. You might not be able to get out of the domestic abuse right now, but you could start setting goals, you could start working on yourself, and you could start creating pockets of your life that are dreamy. I promise you, you could do that. So what are you hoping for? Get clear on that, start setting goals, and begin taking action towards your goals. Number five, empowering attitudes and beliefs. The one thing, one of the things that will kill off hope almost immediately is disempowering attitudes and beliefs. I do have a podcast on empowering attitudes and beliefs. I have to say that though some people have these killer disempowering attitudes or beliefs. And if you believe that you can't get the job, you can't get the promotion, you can't get the house, you can't get the girl, you can't get the guy, you'll never have the money or whatever, guess what? You won't. Beliefs are exceptionally powerful. That's, that's a given. If you don't understand how powerful beliefs are, then I have podcasts that will help you. Beliefs are extremely powerful. They can help you or they can hurt you. If you believe the world is out to get you, that's a disempowering belief that will cut you off from life. If you believe the universe is out to support you and is in your corner, that's an empowering belief and that's very powerful. So make sure you have empowering attitudes or beliefs. Six, do whatever it takes. Be unstoppable, be resourceful, and take back your power. That's four different podcasts of the 190 whatever podcasts I have that will help you to grow hope. Do whatever it takes. That'll help you. Be unstoppable. That will help you. Be resourceful. That will help you and take back your power. That'll all help you. Number seven, love and affection. Although I already mentioned that if you're up against it, love and affection is what everybody needs for the most part. If your life is overflowing with love and affection, first of all, I'm thrilled. Second of all, that makes me like over the moon happy for you. Like happy, happy, happy. That's what I want for everybody. That's not how it is for most people. Most people don't even feel like they've been well loved in life. So bring love and affection into your life, romantic, platonic, either both. That, and you can do that even if you're up against it. Number eight. If you find that hope is diminished or de depleted or low or <clears throat> non-existent, check yourself. Check yourself for low self-esteem, irrational thinking, negative thinking, influence from others, ego, pride, shame, embarrassment, fears, worries, and concerns, because those areas could really be the issue. It's not unreasonable to be afraid of being rejected. It's not unreasonable to have a concern about whether somebody likes you or whether you'll be successful in a job or whether 
your offer on a house will go through, those are all very reasonable. But they don't have to kill off your hope completely. And they don't even have to be like taking you out of the game. Those areas I just mentioned frequently take people out of the game. So check yourself. Number nine, building optimism will help you build the muscle for hope. As I mentioned earlier, optimism is different than hope. They're frequently researched or written about together, yet they are separate and different. I do have a podcast on optimism, which I've already mentioned. It is not positive thinking. Optimism and positive thinking are not the same thing. So there you go. Number 10. From the research, what we've seen about hope, it, it is both goal-oriented and action-oriented. So why not create your dream life and then get into action? So what if you fail? So what if you get rejected? In my book, in the Lisa Lundy book, being rejected is better than never trying. Failing is better than wondering what would have happened. So many things like wouldn't have happened in my life if I just stopped because I got rejected or if I just stopped because I wasn't successful the first time around or the second time around. I am suggesting that taking a risk, calculated risk. Now, people, I'm not talking about being imprudent. I'm not talking about being foolish, but I'm talking about taking a calculated risk is better, in my humble opinion, than spending a lifetime either having regret or wondering what could have been. And we do have plenty of people who didn't take an action because either they were afraid of rejection or they felt like they weren't good enough for the job, the guy, the girl, the, you know, the situation. And they never, they didn't take any action, which is fine. That's a, that's a fine way to do life. But if it, if you're going for your dreams, why not go for that pinch me feeling? I'm going for that pinch me. Oh my gosh, is this my life feeling? <laughs> why not? I don't. I don't. I don't do anything half baked, people. I'm like full in. I'm either probably full in or full out. And now there's some things I'm like you know in between on. But goal oriented and action oriented. Create your dream life, knowing you could fail, knowing you might get rejected but make it calculated. Number 11, religious coping. I have not frequently talked about religious coping or religion in my podcast. Uh, recently, I did a podcast titled The Science of Faith, which I found shocking. I'm still finding it shocking in terms of the research that faith is the number one thing that can prevent addictions and help in recovery. I just was, I don't know that, apparently I don't know enough about addictions to know that, but anyway, the Science of Faith podcast will help you understand, A, there are positive outcomes and negative outcomes from religious coping. Because so many people in the world are religious, my suggestion would be, if you want to build hope, because of course, hope springs eternal, hope is a big theme in the Bible and many other religious communities, Make sure you're using any religious beliefs, philosophies, practices on the positive. And the podcast on the science of faith talks about both the positive and negative aspects of religious coping. And as the title implies religious coping, religion or religious beliefs or practices can be a way to cope with life. 
Certainly, if we're talking about religion, most religions have a focus on hope. Hope for eternal life, hope for, well, reincarnation, if that's your religion, like hope for, you know, getting to heaven or what have you. Just make sure if you're going to do religious coping that you're doing it to get the positive benefits instead of the negative benefits. That gives you an overview of 11 different suggestions plus the little suggestions if you're up against it to help you grow the amount of hope you have in your life. I hope you are doing well. I hope that you are happy, healthy, and well-loved. I am here to help you with that end game so that you have love and happiness, abundance, great health, great wellness, all the good stuff in life, because that's my vision for the world. That's my hope for the world. <laughs> that's my hope for the world, whether people think I'm like full of myself or I have false hope or false reality. I know we can get there together. On that note, I do love you. I hope you're hanging in there. I hope you're doing well. That's it for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 192, Hope. Don't stop believing. If you're low in hope, I hope you're going to get into action, set some goals, really take heart because you can increase hope and that is a very important aspect of life. My request is that you share this podcast on social media because we have, sadly, too many people that are either lacking in hope or they're low in hope. I do love you. Hang in there for now. That's it. End of non-musical outro.